What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience, the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Elevate Experience podcast. We have a very special guest today. His name is Greg Nance. Greg Nance is the CEO of Dyad Mentorship and is the chairman of Money Think organizations. They have helped students earn over 27 million in university scholarships. His work has been recognized by President Obama as the champion of change. Greg loves endurance challenges and has solo climbed Mount Blanc, I think that's correct, swam across the Nile River and run seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Next up, Greg is celebrating 3,000 days sober by running 3,000 miles across America to create a documentary exploring our addiction epidemic and how we can boost mental health across the country. Welcome to the show, Greg. How are you? Thank you so much. I am fired up to be here. I am so impressed by reading that, just your physical feats, but also uh, your entrepreneurial feats. You're, you know, relatively young guy and you've already accomplished and achieved so much. Yeah. Well, those are just the highlights and (laughs) underneath every little highlight, you know, I was hitting my head against a brick wall for, for a long time. So uh, yeah, I've, I've worked with great people and I've just probably the luckiest guy that's been on this podcast that you've ever met where just so many things have broken the right way for me to, uh, to make some things happen. So yeah, I, I appreciate it. And hopefully just getting started. Yeah, well, I mean, you're an inspiration and good things happen to good people and you keep pushing forward. Uh, You know, I just know by the terminology of entrepreneur, that means you're working your butt off seven days a week. In fact, here you are on Christmas Eve day with us because of course you would be. We're not like, you know, a lot of the rest of America who's taken like four days off for the holidays. It's, It's always on three entrepreneurs hustling right here. I, I yeah. feel it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Well, hey, congrats on your uh, 3000 days sober too. That's awesome. That was back hey. in March. So you have more than that now. That That's right. And it, that is the single proudest accomplishment of, of my life um, because it's the kind of thing where if you're not able to get the, get yourself on track when you've got a, a real issue, a real problem, either you no longer have freedom in your life and uh, nothing you're going to, whatever you create is going to be very, very temporary and be, and be washed away. And, um, yeah, I feel really, really proud of that. And just so grateful for, for literally each day, um, to follow. So thank you. I, I appreciate of course. it. So yeah. what was the pivotal point? What was it that happened in your life? We often talk about, you know, the final straw at the bottom, what made you want to get sober at such a young age and how did you get sober? Yeah. So I, um, I hit a variety of what someone from the outside would view as, oh, that's a rock bottom. Um, and <laughs> I, I kept, you know, uh, violating the laws of gravity by going, you know, further and further and further and further. And, um, you know, in t- late 2010, actually, I had had 13 or 14 glasses of wine, was going for the next at this party, ended up walking through a sliding glass door that collapses, the glass cuts my hand open. And actually, it, it severs the artery in my left uh, arm here. And wow. I'm basically watching myself kind of bleed out onto this floor. And luckily, they we were able to tourniquet my arm and then quickly rush me to an ER that happened to be just a couple miles down the road. Um, I survived. 
any <laughs> rational person would have said, Hey, like that's, that's it, man. Um, and yet within a couple days I was, Hey, what happens when I mix these painkillers and alcohol? Like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so it, um, I have a very thick skull and it took me literally hundreds of times declaring never again, just to start again in you know, a few hours or the next morning. And, um, it was uh, when I finally made the decision and finally stuck with it was a, uh, uh, I think shame and embarrassment was a big part of, of the why. I had earned this big scholarship to my dream school. I was going off to Cambridge University, uh, thanks to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, the biggest, best thing I've ever accomplished. And um, with that, I think I felt a lot of like stress and pressure to like, you know, live up to this, this billing. And uh I also had a bunch of money in my pocket because it's a very generous scholarship with a stipend. And that's a dangerous combination for, you know, a 22, 23 year old. And I ended up making some really, you know, bad life and bad financial choices um, such that I'm actually missing my rent. And mm. it's flagged up to the university officials who summoned me in. They've done their scouting and they think that, you know, I've got some kind of drinking and drug problem, which I do. So yeah. nice, nice detective work there, Mr. Provost. Um, and in that conversation, he uh, uh, rightfully, you know, calls me a disgrace. And um, I'd never been called that before. And it, you know, it stung deeply. And it stung really deeply because it was, you know, there's a lot of truth to that when you're taking this incredible opportunity and instead of using it to better yourself and hopefully better the world, you're, um, you're merely doing it to, um, get drunk, get high and, and carry on. So that was the, that was like a really low moment for me. And um, luckily it was, it was the seed that sparked new reflections and, um, you know, just re realized, Hey, like my life is going to be so much better if I can just get a day sober, a second day, a third day, a fourth day. And before I knew it, it's like, wow, look, I've got like eight days, 10 days, 11 days. And um, decided to not look back. Just let's keep doing this. A lot of temptations along the path, but one more day, one more day. That is absolutely amazing because you pretty much just did it cold turkey and you did it on your own. Um, I highly commend you for that. That's not an easy feat at all. No, and it's one that you know I, uh, I and I, I appreciate that. Though I also try to caution friends trying to find their first steps. That what works for me here is actually it's totally not best practice. And if I could go back, mm -hmm. I would totally find you know let me find a counselor. Is there some kind of affordable treatment? Is there um, you know, I would have joined AA, uh, you know, and some kind of support and community because I had so much shame around it that I didn't want to tell anyone. I just wanted to work through it myself. But for every one little success story with this, probably dozens of folks kind of fall back off and hurt themselves and their families and their friends even worse. So I, I, I certainly appreciate that, though. It's I think it's less like my fortitude. It's, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And this is one more little miracle. What an amazing story. And like you said, many, many stories like that out there of, you know, people going through similar things. And we always recommend people getting help. You know, that's why we're here. That's what we do. Uh, yeah. Doing it on your own, especially now, especially through the pandemic. It's, I mean, it's got to be close to impossible, I would assume, because you don't have the outlets like you did and the social groups and the things to keep yourself busy. Now you're literally just home alone in your addiction. Totally. I, I feel for anybody actively struggling in this um it's hard for everybody especially if you know the only thing that makes you feel better is when i buy that bottle or you know buy this or that and yeah it's it's a rough one and yeah well said 
Yeah, well, congrats on, on getting sober. I mean, I, I knew it's difficult personally for everyone to get sober. You know, it's like, how do we do this thing we've never done? And kind of yeah. becomes this this journey that we don't know what it looks like, but we all kind of make our way through it, however that looks. So I, I like kind of the disclaimer of, I did it for sure, but it was difficult. And looking back at it, I might have taken a different route that would have made things like slightly easier. So I like that you put that disclaimer in there because it is possible, but there are ways to make it easier. Absolutely. So let's get into this 3,000 miles for your 3,000 days. I'm so excited to hear about that, especially as someone that's uh, three, three miles is the most I've ever ran in my life. And I consider myself someone like that's decently fit. So I'm excited to hear about the 3,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. So for most of the 3,000 days, um, I was actually in total denial about having had uh, an addiction issue. And I would just try to sweep under the rug. People would ask, oh, like you don't drink? And oh yeah, just for health reasons, you know, and I would have some some excuse that was a half truth at best. And it was only um, the beginning of 2019 where I realized, um, uh, you know, I had just done the seven marathon, seven day, seven continent deal, which was like the biggest, best thing I achieved, you know, athletically. And I'm all excited about it. But as I finish it, I uh, feel very empty and I feel a lot of pain and I feel like sort of a mental emptiness as well. I knew what would fill that and that's opiate painkillers. Tried to score um, painkillers to just feel better about things. And that was like a ton of bricks that hit me, which is like, wow, like this has been stalking me the entire time. And I've, I've been pretty good about keeping one step in front, but like, as soon as you slow it down, you know, here it is. And it was a really scary revelation. And it was you know, one full of kind of embarrassment and just felt shamed about all of that. And uh, I remembered back to when I first got sober that I had told myself someday I'm going to run from New York to Seattle. And I'm going to have that as this big goal because I know I can't achieve that if I'm drinking and drugging. The only way I could possibly achieve that is if I like dedicate myself year after year after year, consistent training and building myself up and then, you know, go for it. And um, I realized being 2019, hey, um, now is the time to like set that next goal to really re- refocus, prioritize on making that happen. And um, something really special happened as I started sharing uh, you know, honestly, with a few close friends for the first time ever about like the extent of, you know, my previous issues and how I was feeling and, and this near relapse. And um, friends were, you know, in a couple of cases, like my buddy, like Scott was like literally crying as I told him this stuff, like, whoa, like, you know, you're crying, what's up? And he, you know, I've known you for a long time. I never knew that about you, Greg. And one thing you don't know about me, you know, I have this brother who I don't talk much about. My brother um, isn't just some deadbeat living at home. He actually has a meth addiction and has been in and out of jail for robbing people to, to fuel that. And uh, now like two dudes crying at this like bar. Uh, like, <laughs> and and it, that was like the, the catalyzing moment for me. I was like, wow, like I can't be honest with my close friend. He can't even be honest with me because of the stigma around this. That is so screwed up uh, because I could have been supportive for him just like he could have been supportive for me. And that, that helped me fill out the mission. You know, I always wanted to run across the country before I, even identified as an addict. But in that moment, I realized, look, we need healing as a country, as a society about how we approach mental health, how we approach addiction. And I want to do this big run. It coincides with 3000 days of sobriety, which I'm really fired up on. And uh, especially in this pandemic time, as you so so well mentioned, it's like so many people are hurting. 
And my hope is that as the vaccine gets distributed, there is a new opportunity for us to think about society and how we address various challenges. And that there's a, you know, yes, there's a pandemic raging in this country. There are, there's a massive silent epidemic, 40 million yeah. victims with substance addiction. And um, we want to be part of that. So yeah, 3000 miles, sorry, I, I keep rambling here, but yeah, 3000 miles is all about uh, connecting with folks along the route, having conversations about um, addiction, about mental health and sharing with viewers through a documentary film, how we can better support those in need and what addiction looks like uh, across geographies, across socioeconomic and education and color and creed, you name it, this hits every little pocket of the country. And uh, we wanna be part of the solution, especially in this time. Wow, I love that. Um, and that's super powerful. I think, you know, and we just recently learned this too. You'd think I, I didn't know this a long time ago, but it's the story. It's our story that people relate to, not all the catchphrases or the I'm here to help. It's, it's, it's actually sharing a part of you and being willing to mm -hmm. be vulnerable because that's what people relate to. And like we've learned, everybody has somebody, whether it's themselves or somebody that intimately in their family or someone they knew that died, everybody is connected to somebody who's yeah. an addict of some kind. And, uh, you know, like, I love that you're taking the stigma off because that's what we, the purpose of our podcast is, is to show transparency with our program, but also to say, hey, look, we had a problem. We don't anymore. We're normal people. You would not even probably know this if we didn't have this conversation. So let's have the conversation. 100%. And I love the way you put that where when we let our guard down a little bit, show that vulnerability, you make somebody else feel safe. And it's really scary to do that, but it works because like it's human <laughs> nature. We're looking for connection, man. And it's only when you're able to drop your own guard that that's possible. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's amazing to bring that much awareness to it, you know, at least from coast to coast. And are you guys going to be doing, I mean, I guess you'll be running, so I don't know how much, how much else you'll be doing besides that. But as you mentioned, kind of like, besides just the general awareness and the documentary, is there going to be anything else peppered in there as far as like maybe talks or anything like that you were thinking of? Yeah. So you know, I, I came up with this sort of like deal, this idea in uh, early 2019. And the, the big emphasis for me was I want to visit schools and I want to talk yeah. to kids about basically fighting for your dream and how to face obstacles. Because really that's where uh, this project originated. It was like, you, you got to fight for your dream. And I had all these big dreams and addiction was getting in the way of those big dreams. And so that's part of my story. <clears throat> uh, wanted to do that at schools, little, like, you know, community potlucks or town halls or, you know, church yeah. outfits, whoever will talk to me. The pandemic has shifted a bit of that where I don't know like what schools will be open, let alone if they'll let some you know dude rain down the road into the school to talk. But um, I would I would love to do that because yeah, I, I don't want it to just be Greg runs 45 miles per day, finishes, and then we had a couple cool Instagram posts, and then um, you know a film pops out months later. I, I think it'd be more impactful that to really deeply connect as we go. Um, and I'm hopeful the vaccine will be. Um, distributed and folks will be feeling, you know, more comfortable, and more safe to to do so. And you know, we're aiming to start this April fourth in with a foot in the Atlantic Ocean and then start heading west. So by then, hey, I, I'm hopeful um, folks will be safer and we'll have that vaccine out. So now, do you have to up your miles because now you're going to be like at 3,300 days sober? So now you need to do 3,300 miles. Hey, so 
Yeah, the, <laughs> if, we did, if we did like the straightest shot, it'd be about 3,000. But, I, I, you know, I want to go through some like really important places, you know, uh, like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, um, would love to go to like Cleveland, maybe swing up to Detroit. And when you add all that up, I think that puts us closer to 3,500 probably miles. So, um, yeah, luckily, uh, I think we're still going to be able to honor the, the days of sobriety per mile as we do it. So. Yeah, there we go. So how long would 45 miles take? Like that sounds like that's kind of the increment per day that you intend on running. How long would that take you? Like six hours, 10 hours? I have no idea. Yeah. So the, the biggest risk in all this is basically going too hard at the beginning right. and then like kind of burning out like your legs and then your, your, your mind as you go. So uh, the name of the game will be like slow and steady. And, you know, if you see me running down the road, you'd be like, wow, like that's a highly unimpressive athletic feat. <laughs> this guy like shuffling his feet. And so it's, it's all about efficiency. It's like um, there'll be a lot of like 10 minute, 11, 12, 13 minute miles uh, spruced yeah. in there. Uh, all about keeping my heart rate at about 145, 148 beats per minute. And that's right below um, the threshold where your body starts producing like lactic acid, um, at least in, in my body. And um, the result of that is I basically keep my muscles operating a little smoother. Uh, it's a little bit like avoiding like hitting the red line in a car where like you just create less like sludge and stuff for your engine and motor. Um, so that's the aim. And so, yeah, basically I can run fast than that, but it, it's not efficient to do that for those 3000 miles basically. And so, uh, yeah, you'll see me like, wow, like that is like watching paint dry. This guy. You know, shuffling. <laughs> Dude, that's super funny. So, oh, so what I think of is I, uh, I am not a runner. I, I, I have a heart condition. I'll say that, but that's really true. I just hate it. I get extremely bored, extremely fast. Like I like constantly being buried. What do you do with your mind for all those hours in the day where you're running? Because you, you listen to podcasts, you think about things, you just focus on the environment. Like, what do you do with that time? So I'll second you. I think running is super boring. I think <laughs> I grew up playing just about every sport and I love chasing a ball around or like trying to score goals, trying to get in the end zone just running. Oh, come on. What a, what a lame sport. Um, it's like, I, I want to do something fun with my friends. Um, but I wasn't that great at any other sports. And so it's like, okay, well, I guess I got to run if I want to keep playing. Something. Yeah. So it, um, yeah, it's, it's by necessity over here, but, uh, I find running to be a really amazing mobile meditation. Um, my brain is kind of like a beehive and it's like really hard to shut the thing up. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, I haven't really found things that work except, you know, initially it was drugs and alcohol were, were useful, but yeah, running does something similar for me. Um, so I, I love the way that it makes me feel basically as part of this, but while running, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerdy guy. Um, and so like, I like to listen to audiobooks, um, throw on a podcast. Like I like learning stuff. So especially when you're doing like six or eight or 10 hours long day out there, you can actually go through a book, you know, in that time. So I, I like doing that. I uh, make little playlists on like Spotify. So like we'll have music that I like. Um, and then if I'm going through a beautiful spot, I, I love actually taking out the headphones and just like kind of embracing, um, you know, I live in a big forest on Bainbridge Island. And it's like, wow, like today is like so, be it's like there's frost out. There's like sunbeams hitting the frost and like steam coming up. It's, it's like, that is like magical. And it's like literally in my backyard, like that's so cool. And so uh, I try to have more of those moments because every little thing's a miracle. Um, and running is a cool way like just see that and experience it in a, in a really, I think, profound way. And so I, uh, I do all that 
but there, there are also, to be honest, there are a lot of days where it's just like, ow, my quad hurts. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm like chafing or oh my ankle, you know, there's some, there's something that's like very top of mind. And this challenge that I'm preparing for will absolutely positively involve more suffering uh, than I've ever experienced. And it'll be physical, it'll be mental, uh, like my soul will ache by through this experience. And that's part of the attraction for me is I, I'm looking for a gauntlet to, to train for and then to push through uh, to prove to myself I can do it uh, in part. It's and, 11 hours. Um, thank you, Mr. Robot, 11 hours. Um, <laughs> so yeah, getting, uh, getting stoked for all this. And yeah, you try to keep the brain occupied and you ultimately it's a hamster wheel. And so that's why you don't like it for good reason. <laughs> for good reason. For sure. That is amazing to me because you're being mindful. So you're being in the present, like when you're, you're, you're paying attention to the environment, but it's like the new thing that we've been hearing a lot of David Goggins, you know, Jocko, it's, it's all about being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that Mm -hmm. sounds like what you're challenging yourself on is, is finding that comfortableness in something that's completely as uncomfortable as you could possibly be. Absolutely. And, and, you know, David Goggins has been a, a hero of mine since I first saw one of his YouTube videos uh, going on 15 years ago. So um, yeah, just he's been a big influence. And I think the idea of like seeking out big challenges, you know, embracing that suck um, is, is huge. And I think it makes any one of us stronger in whatever pursuit that we want to you know, chase. For me, it's running, but you know, it could be anything. And if you devote yourself and you're willing to push through that discomfort, you, you will be stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I love, cause I think a lot of people, you know, especially people in recovery too, like getting sober is a, a, a suck. Getting sober is totally a lot of suffering. And there's, yep. there's a lot of things that we delay because we're so used to just getting fixed right now, whatever pain we have, it's going to go away right now through drugs and alcohol. So mm-hmm. getting sober is this like delayed, like, no, things are going to suck right now, but then it will get better. So I definitely like the parallel of that. And then the running and, you know, for Angie and myself, it's definitely what CrossFit I would say. Um, CrossFit's kind of like that super sucky suffering (laughs) activity that we like, you know, the martyr in us like loves it because it hurts and our lungs don't feel good. But then after we feel amazing and we get to look good and be healthy. And so I'm glad you kind of, you kind of mentioned that too. Um, and shout out to David Goggins. If he's listening, we all really love you, man. (laughs) (laughs) We love him. That book changed our lives. Uh, Amazing. And, and you think about an individual who digs deep and overcomes a lot. He he is a true inspiration for sure. And especially, yeah, like you for a runner, like you look at what he does, those pictures, his feet, like, it's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just don't think I have the heart to put my body through that. And he doesn't care because it's, it's more mental. Absolutely. And you, you look at this guy, I mean, he's, over 200 pounds of muscle it's like the guy is way overbuilt as far as like ultra runners go but his mind is so strong he'll outrun the, you know the big birds like me that are all arms and legs so he's a incredible human soul athlete you, know, you name it the superlatives don't do it justice so what a guy yeah yeah totally what a guy i was thinking too like when i like the way that you responded to to angie's question as far as like what do you think about when you're running? And it's like, what don't I think about? Like I, I, I read a book, I look at the environment, I listen to songs and it's kind of, it kind of sounds like you just find that, that baseline of just I'm running, but I'm not running too hard. So then I just have all this time to think 
It's yeah. like, what do I do about it? You know, and it's kind of like a challenge in itself. What to think about while I'm running? Like, why can't I just run? Yeah. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. <laughs> no, and it's, it is, it's my, you know, I, I have friends that tease me about like, you know, how are you still like running a business while they're running? Or like, how are you still training with the business? And it both make me better at the other. Like I, I work through big challenges I'm facing at work while running or vice versa. I'm, you know, how do I get all of these logistics just right for this big race I'm doing? Uh, like the experience of like running a tech company, like helps you think through all of this. So um, yeah, I, I've started to see more kind of interconnections in life and try to honor those interconnections and build on them. So I was just doing the math. If you were to do 45 a day, that would be 70 plus days straight. Is that what you're aiming for? Or you think it'll be longer than that? Cause you still have to run a business too, or several you're, you're super involved. Yeah. So tr that's right. So yeah, trying to do 45 miles a day, take about 70 days. Um, I'm aiming to run it basically straight through without um, mm -hmm. taking, um, taking too much rest. You know, I figure if like, there's a really tough day, um, you know, legs are like inflamed or whatever, just kind of walk it out a little bit and then jog when able. And so, yeah, I really try to chip away at that. Um, luckily I work with amazing people, so I'm going to be kind of passing the the baton and colleagues will be stepping up and I'll excuse myself from uh, most of work duties. Cause I think my brain will be mush by like the third day. So you won't, you wouldn't want me making any decisions as yeah. <laughs> any irrational decisions, like scrap it. We're starting over a whole new business. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I, I just can't even fathom uh, pushing my body to those limits. That is truly amazing. Yeah. It, step by step, I couldn't. I couldn't even run a mile when I got started. So it's um, wow. It's yeah. I, I was a quarter miler in uh, my senior high school. I went out for the track team after basically getting kind of washing off the baseball and tennis teams, and um, you know had a little bit of a talent for it, but it was really really tough. And I remember the first, hey, we're gonna run a half mile. I, was like, oh, I can't do that. And so so many of our limitations are actually just they're, they're reinforced by our own mind. And really the only limits that matter are those we place upon ourselves. Um, once we start believing we can, we'll find a way to do so. And that's how I now run hundred miles because like, I believe I can, so I'm going to. And um, I think most anybody uh, with like kind of stretching your imagination can achieve way, way more than we, we ever envisioned. Yeah, I love that you, you brought that up. I think that's so true. And you, you, you have to prove it to yourself, you know, type of thing. And then once yep. you prove it, okay, cool. And I guess I was curious too, what is the documentary going to be called for the for the run? What's it going to be titled, I guess? Yes, our, our working title is One in Seven. Uh, one in Seven. And that is the, the proportion of American adults that have a drinking or substance abuse addiction. 40 million. Yeah, that's awesome. I would almost venture to say next year it's going to go down to one and six just due to the sheltering in place and all the fallout from this year. I would not be surprised if that number changes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're in for a, this is gonna be a really dark winter for a lot of people. And yeah, I'm, um, it's a really tough one. My, my hope is that when we come out of this, we've asked some thoughtful questions and then we can provide yeah. some thoughtful, heartfelt support. Yeah. One in seven. I really like that. That's, I, I love, I love the purpose behind it too. You know, I think that it just means so much more than it's not just some guy running across the country. You know, it's, it's way more than that. It's way more important 
And uh, so I guess, you know, long story short, um, I commend you for, for doing that. I think that's an amazing idea. And yeah, I just, it, it gets me super excited. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I guess also what I was kind of curious too is like, what is, you know, as someone, you know, a lot of our audience is in recovery. So as someone that's been in recovery for close to a decade now, like what are some of the things that you do to keep yourself sharp or keep yourself further away from the old Greg? What are, what are some things that you do to, to remain sober and vigilant even to this day? Yeah. So, Hey, I, um, it's a work in progress, number one. So, um, you know, I, I've been presenting this like maybe polished view of, I have everything figured out. Like I don't, it's, it's, if not a daily struggle, at least a weekly struggle. Um, yeah. and I've had a number of dark days you know, during quarantine myself where anxiety pops up and it's like, I have to just get out of the house. I go for a walk to like kind of clear my head um, or like number of days of like really just feeling very depressed with like, I'm trying to make this film like, this funding is slipping or the timeline slipping. And it's just like, ah, like this is never going to happen. You know, I'm worthless. You know, these feelings creep in. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I want to be clear that, Hey, like I, all of us have struggled, are struggling. And, and so much of it is like just keeping yourself moving forward. For me, uh, it's all about habits. And so I, I start each day the same way. I wake up to a song that I like um, it's called the adventure uh, by angels and airwaves. Great song. Nice. I'm yeah. a huge Blink-182 fan, so I... I oh, dude, yeah. There we go, yeah. Tom DeLonge, Mark Hoppus, Travis Parker, those are my boys. Dude, I grew up on that stuff too, man. Um, yeah, so I, I this song, like, I wake up to it, and basically by the end of the song, I have to have made my bed and then started brewing tea. I then do calisthenics, simple exercises to basically get the blood flowing, stretch it out a bit. Um, and then uh, immediately following that, quick prayer before I write for uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And then I go have my coffee and then a little bit by to eat and go start work. And that's like my little sequence to start each day. Nice. I have, I have a little sequence to sort of end each day that helps me then sleep eight plus hours. So it, um, that has been the single best way that I've sort of coped with feelings of anxiety and feelings of depression and the uncertainty and the craziness. And so um, you don't have to have my morning routine, certainly um, to anyone listening, but having some structure in your life, I think can be really useful to help you feel in control, even when times are, are really difficult, which they have been. And yet, Hey, like, I still have some control over like my actions and my behavior. And something I, I love that, that y'all are doing is like the CrossFit piece. And I think that plays at least two really wonderful purposes. Number one, uh, physical and mental health are very, very linked together. It's like doing something that you really like that exercises you, that challenges you. That's awesome. And like, yeah, you look good. You feel good. Like the, all that is, is wonderful. And there's such a cool community with, within CrossFit. And so you have all these like health focused friends where like getting drunk and high isn't cool in CrossFit. It's like, no, like I'm trying to be better than yesterday. So like, no, I don't want to get stoned. No, I don't want to be, you know, get drunk. So that community piece so underrated. And that's a place where I, I struggle a little bit because drugs and alcohol are, are pretty common in the startup landscape where right. it's easy to be, you know, I'm so pressured and stressed. Like, let me just do some blow or let me go like get stoned or whatever. And it's like, if you're too close to that, it, you then get sucked in. So f- pick your friends wisely, find a community that will lift you up, not, not pull you down. And so I think CrossFit's a really cool way to do that. And, and the checks all those boxes. 
Exactly. Well, and that's you 100% hit why we put it in the program because we realize, you know, keeping them in a bubble is great and it gets them some sober time. But what happens when they leave the bubble? And it's so vital besides, you know, AA or SMART, it's so vital to have like a health conscious group that you can immediately go into and feel welcomed by, challenged. And they've already gone through the two months of learning all the movements. And so uh, it's been a cornerstone of the program. And I, I love seeing the results. And you're right, like no CrossFitters want to come into class hungover or drunk or anything like that. The health is the priority. It's hard enough without any of that. Like you're going to get your ass kicked yeah. regardless. So be, be <laughs> right. clean heading in. <laughs> yeah, no, well said. I really liked what you, uh, what you said too, Greg, about the, the morning routine, I think. Uh, my question was, did you experience like with your morning routine that you could almost like manipulate the outcome of, of yourself? Like if I do these things, I get to feel this way and then I actually have some kind of control over that. And I like feeling this way. Yeah. So that's so well said, man. Yeah. So I, I heard this great quote recently that really got me thinking, which is, uh, and I'll butcher it, sorry, but like it's some of the effect of. <laughs> Your current habits are perfectly optimized to like your current outcomes yeah. uh, in the sense of whatever your life situation. And trust me, I've had terrible life situations. It's because of your behaviors and especially those that you're repeating and they're recurring, they are going to engineer the outcome in front of you. And so when I would wake up hungover every day where I like wasn't sleeping worth a damn or like all these ladies were like pissed off at me about like various <laughs> stupid lies and stuff I've been doing uh, all of, and you know, financial problems, all this like it's all due to your behaviors, right? And so right now it's like, hey, look, I'm feeling pretty good. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm optimized for like a little bit of tranquility in the morning, kind of a peace of mind. Um, I feel like more reflective with the writing I've been doing the last, the last stretch. So um, definitely, and I think one way to start your own morning routine is even think about, hey, like what helps me feel some sense of like satisfaction or what helps me get kind of clear headed to begin a day or what brings my stress levels down? And generally, like staying away from your phone is generally helpful. Getting your heart racing in some way is generally uh, useful. Doing some kind of gratitude practice uh, and then hopefully having some uh, healthy food and beverage to get things kicked off. Generally, you know, helpful building blocks. And then all the details are, are up to each of us. We got to figure out what makes us feel alive, what we enjoy doing, because um, we only get a certain number of mornings and make them count. So. Yeah, well how, said. How early is your early morning? What 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 time of day do your does your day start? Yeah, so it, it varies a little bit. So I'm I'm on Pacific time now in Seattle, and so I've been actually on more of a, a bit of a late night schedule recently with um, work in Dubai and then work in Shanghai. Uh, it, there's more uh, crossover if I'm doing. So I was up till three in the morning last night, which was not my favorite thing to be doing, but had to be done. Um, uh, generally, though, like when I was in Shanghai, where I lived for for seven plus years. I was like a four to 5 a.m. Uh, kind of guy. And actually that was very much inspired by Goggins where he's like, get your workout in the morning, go train. Uh, and so, especially when I'm, I'm uh, preparing for an ultra, like I'm gonna go run hundred miles to the Philippine jungle. I wanna feel a little hardcore in my training. And so it helps by waking up four in the morning and then <laughs> less excuses when you're going to bed at 8 p.m. Like, cause you're not gonna be out drinking with your friends or cavorting out on the town when you got to be up at four in the morning. So that, that helps me kind of keep it straight and narrow. Whew. Yeah, 4 a.m., I, I struggle. I am not a morning person. I am much more a late night person. And, and so yeah. I stay up late, but then I get up early. So then I, I don't hit that eight hours. I, I wish I could hit that eight hours every night because I know that's vital, especially for like what you're doing, that sleep is so important. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I look at like LeBron, who's my favorite basketball player. He's like eight, nine, 10 hours of sleep each night. And it's like, whoa, wow. if he's doing that, man, I, I got to catch up. So yeah. I, and then it's, you know, trying to find a, a good bedtime routine. There's a book I love called Why We Sleep um, by this guy, Dr. Uh, Walker, Matthew Walker, who ta- it lays out like the neuroscience for why sleep is so important. And then a lot of actionable tips um, to basically okay. stop, like to, to sleep better. And the, the, the single tip that's helped me most is putting my phone on the other side of the room and then charging it over there. And that way I can't fiddle around on my phone before bed. And that little bit, like I produce more melatonin now, and then I don't wake up at three in the morning or two in the morning like I used to. So, uh, yeah, sleep. I should definitely read that book. That sounds amazing. And I'm really glad you brought up LeBron because I was actually going to ask you this question. Speaking of LeBron, do you do you take part of or do you believe in that cold plunge like that ice bath or that ice shower in the morning to really like get the adrenaline and also the recovery uh, that comes with it? Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty wimpy, but I do see the benefit. Uh, so like I, I turn on the cold shower and it's like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I should. And then I yeah, jump yeah. in. And, ah. um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big baby about it, but I do, I do think it, it adds benefit. I'd like to get a, a proper tub. So in my current situation, I, I have a shower, uh, which cool. You, you can obviously turn a shower on cold, but uh, it's <laughs> easier for me just to kind of take the plunge. Um, and then... So yeah, I, I do like that. And I actually, I've, I live near the water, uh, the Puget Sound, which is uh, you know, from the Pacific Ocean, which is very cold this time of year. And um, yeah, doing a couple of jumps out there really- uh, That'll wake you up. <laughs> it wakes you up, dude. Get some hair on this chest over here, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny. That. So the book, uh, what was it called? Why We Sleep? Why We Sleep, yep. Gotcha. That sounds good. We have, a, you know, obviously clients or people- coming off drugs and alcohol, it's one of the biggest barriers. It's like getting that sleep back. And, you know, I work, you know, clinically, like directly with the clients and teaching people how to learn how to sleep is extremely difficult. And there's a lot of things that come up. So I think that'd be a good resource for them. I definitely have resources for them, but it turns out the biggest, the thing I see the most is it's just a mental game, you know, kind of falling victim to the thoughts before you go to sleep. Yep. That's, that's, that's the biggest one I see. Oh, totally, man. And it's, it's very related. So when I was drinking and drugging, I made so many mistakes, like just like, you're not living your best life. And I, I wasn't acting with integrity. Like I would lie to friends or lie to you know lovers and all. And that makes sleep a lot harder when you're going to bed with like a guilty conscience or you're going to bed oh, with yeah. a system. It's like, you're not going to, either one of those is going to wake you up, you know, right after you get to bed. So it's, um, um, I'm glad that's, that's a cornerstone for y'all. Cause I think it's just critical and, uh, working through that and getting your mind right. I think will also help then sleep better and getting your sleep then helps get your mind right. So it's really this virtuous cycle once you're on it. Yeah, absolutely. And then once you get it, you never want to lose that again. Once no, you kind of get that gratitude for, for sleeping again, or you get your appetite back. Whew. Dude, exactly. You get your wits back. I remember that was kind of my biggest upset of after I'd start getting sober. It was like, I I just didn't feel witty. I didn't feel clear. I didn't feel quick. And so once I got that back, I was like, I'm never losing that again. Boom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I think you, what you talked about, like in the addiction, and that's what perpetuates the dwindling spirals, because now you need to take more to shut it all down, to go to sleep, to avoid all the bad things you're doing. And so then you're drinking more, drugging more, just trying to shut it down, you know, chemically wise, as opposed to uh, feeling those emotions and keeping yourself awake all night. So it is a, it is a tough process to mm. reverse naturally, for sure, especially the longer you're in that addiction. Well said, 100%. And I found just like even writing before bed, like a little journal entry is part of my wind down. And, you know, I make mistakes every day, like trying to run a business and, and training or in interactions with folks. And just, I feel like writing that down kind of liberates me where it's like, cool, I've acknowledged that. And I have like some, you know, hopefully there's a solution. And if not, the solution might just be learn from this. Um, and then, I then sleep a lot easier versus like bottling that up and then bringing it to bed. Then the mind's racing. And um, yeah, I've, I've got a little chimpanzee brain. So I've, I've really got to like set things out to, uh, to then sleep and to recover. So do you journal at night and in the morning? Are you journaling both times? I do. And they're slightly different. So in the morning it's on um, it's on a computer. I call it morning mud. And I've, I've literally gone through, um, and it's like reflections on, for instance, uh, a recent one was like on like this one bender I had where like I you know, did some dumb stuff. Like I, I literally try to remember stuff from that experience, write it out. And I almost always feel better after just like listing out, you know, all of this. And so I've got pro what amounts to probably 40 or 50 pages of just like random scribbles just for me. You know, it's not, um, it's nothing Shakespearean, but just like listing, you know, writing stuff out reflecting on some of this and getting some memories out on the page. And then, um, um, yeah, so it's more remembrances. Whereas in the evening is a uh, uh, little recaps of the day, lessons learned, things I'm trying to like you know, work on going forward. And it's more, uh, I guess I seek to be a little bit more actionable, reflective and actionable in the evenings. And it also just makes me really tired. It's like, I do that for five <laughs> yeah. to 15 minutes. And it's like, dude, I'm fucking exhausted. Like, time for bed. So. <laughs> nice. I like that. So Greg, if you had to recommend one book to our audience, which I would say is generally in kind of the self-help, personal development, mm. recovery space. I know that's a hard question, but if you could pick one, what would it be? Yeah. So uh, the, we, we talked a little bit about can't hurt me, David Goggins. So I put yeah. that, I put down the list. The other that I, I just finished is called how to think like a Roman emperor. Nice. And it, um, oh, dude, it's so good. It, it's like 12 takeaways from like the life of Marcus Aurelius. Wow. And it's, it's so poetic and profound. And it's so like, this applies to you and me and everybody in 2020. So um, that would be the book at the top of the list. Um, How to think like a Roman emperor. And the, the author's escaping me at the moment, but he's a, this like ethicist who thinks about ethics and philosophy and stuff. And Oh, I love that. It's written. It's so good. And yeah, I listened to it as an audio while running. And basically every, every time after finishing, I'd be like, wow, like here's this thing I can be doing differently and better. Wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks for answering that. I think how to think like a Roman emperor will be specific enough to find the author. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. And we do, we do a book club. Um, and so maybe, maybe it's a good candidate for our next book after we finish the Eckhart Tolle one that we're on. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, awesome. 
Yeah, we love book clubs. I, I I find them so fascinating because you know you could read something and interpret it a certain way, but somebody else will interpret it completely different. And it's so neat to see how everybody responds to the same exact thing and what they get out of it. And for me, I get so much more out of hearing other viewpoints of that than just reading it on my own. Hundred percent. I'm. That's one of the way that I've. If we talk about community and sobriety, book club has been a key thing for me, um, where I've got these three friends who um, are just wonderful people and committed to healthy lifestyles. We read stuff, talk about it. And as you mentioned, so interesting getting someone else's perspective that you you know, look up to and respect and admire. Um, I learn a lot more than just the text in front of me. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's a lot of takeaways. I think it's good to have conversation. You know, I think generally, even with this podcast, we, we have like an idea or a topic or uh, a direction, but generally we want to just kind of have a conversation with like-minded individuals. And it's kind of funny. We always notice these parallels, you know, whether it's, you know, with you or just recently we're talking to a firefighter and it's just like, there's so much, there's so many through lines and parallels. And it's, you would think we would know this by now, but it's still always shocking. I'm like, eh, geez, good stuff. Exactly no, the same. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Can you tell us about your nonprofits or what you work you're working on now, just so our viewers can see all the amazing stuff you're doing besides uh, the running thing, which is, you know, super amazing as well. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I would love to. So yeah, I, uh, I work on a group called Money Think, and we are a, a not-for-profit that helps um, students from kind of historically underrepresented uh, backgrounds, um, primarily Pell-eligible inner-city students navigate the financial aid process um, because there's a mistake there's a mistaken belief amongst many students that i can't go to college because i can never afford it and actually no no hey with the right strategy you can't afford it and we're going to show you how and so we um we built some cool technology uh, it's a tool called decided and a student takes a picture with their smartphone of their college offer letter um, that contains the financial aid info and we then use um uh, machine learning to basically uh, quickly give them the arithmetic on how much it will cost for a four-year degree from the institution. And uh, they can then compare apples to apples to apples, each of their offers to find then the, the most affordable value, um, along with like, what are the graduation rates for someone that looks like me? As like a first-generation Black student or as a second-generation, you know, Latino student, what, you know, What's the probability I graduate? And then what kind of earnings do I have versus how much debt might I have to incur to get this degree? So um, yeah, Money Think is the name of the organization. Decided is the tool. And we're on a mission to help um, a million students avoid $10 billion of debt by 2020. Nice. That is amazing. I, I myself did not go to college. Um, I was in the height of my addiction at that point, but I just helped my son. He's a freshman. So we just, you know, together learned this whole process and it's so confusing. This app sounds amazing because, you know, it's like, he's got this offer letter, but they're going to do this, but it's out of state, but this is in state. Like, and it, it was all like a foreign language to me. So I can only imagine uh, how it is for the people that you're able to help. And it's so awesome that you provide this tool that seems like and just lays it out very easily for them to make good decisions. Hey, and kudos to you for being there for your kiddo. It is really tough. And 
it's designed that way. I mean, here's the challenge is yeah. colleges don't want to have transparency on the full cost because then we're, we as consumers, like, what the hell am I getting for a hundred grand or 150 grand? Like, are, are you serious? And so they, they, a lot of these guys use pretty deceptive practices to give you a teaser rate that then, you know, three or four X's after the first semester. And uh, my hope is that various state attorneys general will crack down on that so that at least we're using honest language until that happens we're our tool is needed because a lot of a lot of folks are getting fleeced signing up for college thinking it's going to cost this much and it's this much and then the worst is not be able to graduate and now you have a ton of debt to then deal with and we want to help people avoid that so i tip my cap for you being a great mom there for your kiddo and um, that's an inspiration for for many to be there to help navigate this this tough this tough chapter in a young person's life and um, you know, college opens a lot of doors when you're able to make it happen affordably. Yeah, you definitely have me thinking though, did I help him? Because I didn't know what I was doing and did we get pleased? <laughs> no, I was like, can I see that app? We need to run this through and yeah. see if we actually made some good choices here. <laughs> so th thank you for doing what you do because uh, we, we need that and you're right. It can be very corrupt. And, and unfortunately, student loans, the one thing that just literally follows you your entire life. Yep. Um, and that's kind of scary, especially if you don't specifically get into a profession that uh, applies to your degree that would pay off that loan. Greg, I'm super excited to see this documentary. What if you had to guess, when would it come out, you think? A couple months after the run or do you, do you have an idea at all? Yeah. So, yeah, from, from a scheduling standpoint, pre-production till April 4th, then go into production where we're actually filming during the run. That's like April 4, like mid-June. And then the rule of thumb is post-production takes at least twice as long right. as production. And so we'd be really, I think we, we'd be in a great spot if at the beginning of 2022, um, the film is released. And I think that that's probably a little ambitious, but my hope is that we can make it happen. Um, my, my dream is to like um, be able to premiere this like at a Sundance and then- um, Nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the dream. So we're working hard to make the dream happen, but um, I, you know, every filmmaker has their own goals. I, I really want to help spark a dialogue with people across the country about how do we support those in need. And to do that, we need the film to get out there. Like people actually have to watch it, to think about it, and then to, to hopefully act on it. And so, um, yeah, the, the aim is to, you know, uh, go with like a, a Netflix or like a HBO or somebody that can actually help us reach, uh, you know, millions of people. That's the goal. So it, um, um, yeah, hopefully 2022, Q1 would be, that'd be sweet if we could, if we could make all that happen. That's huge. It seems so long, so far out, but I also know time just goes like this these days. So it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, totally. It, it, we're in a time warp now too with, with the lockdowns and all, but yeah, th there are better days ahead. Yeah, I've seen so many documentaries in, on HBO and Netflix that sound way, way worse than this one. So I, I have no... <laughs> I have no, I can't, there's no way this won't make it onto Netflix or HBO. And yeah, I was also going to say too, I uh, spent a lot of time in Park City, Utah. So if you need help uh, meeting people that work in Sundance, let me know. Dude, amazing. Yeah, I, what a beautiful spot. Good for you for logging some time, my man. Yeah, I've, oh I, yeah. I, I, I'm a huge, I'm terrible on skis, but like I, I love just getting up there. I love climbing and experiencing yeah. it and, the fact there's like a film festival there too, like all the better. So yeah, even better just to draw the crowd in. I, I wish that I spent less time on drugs 
while I was in Park City, Utah. But Fair hey, point. it got me to where I needed to be. <laughs> yes. Everything happens for a reason. You know, that's including those those really low, low moments. It, it, it ends up making us who we are. So. I wish I could say that, uh, well, I wish you would or could run through our town, but seeing how we're both on the same coast, it doesn't make much <laughs> sense for you to come to Santa Cruz and then hike it all the way back up to Seattle. That would be a pretty, pretty large detour unless you happen to be coming up that way anyway. But hey, I, I do love, uh, I do love California. So uh, Santa Cruz before too long. Yeah, we've got beautiful forest and beach. So if you want, you want a really nice place to run, we've got the beach, and then you can run right into the forest within like five miles of each other. So um, key combo yeah. right there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so Greg, is there any final words or messages that you would like to, you know, express to our viewers or anything else we should talk about before we let you experience your day? Yeah, I would I would say to folks tuning in, um, it's always one step at a time. And as cliched as that sounds, um, you got to make the right decision in this moment. Um, and when I would hear about someone eight or 10 years sober, I always thought that was just impossible, like not for me. Um, but it is because, you know, I'm living proof of that. So take it one moment at a time. Um, keep, you know, the the friend or family member or your sponsor's you know, number on speed dial and when you need somebody, um, met, you know, reach out to them. I also love hearing from folks. Um, Instagram's the best way to reach me. At uh, Greg Runs Far is my handle. And <laughs> that's uh, amazing handle right there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'd love to hear from you. I, I talk with a bunch of folks in recovery. We compare notes and talk about highlights, lowlights, everything in between. So um, don't be bashful. It really takes a takes a village, and you're clearly in the right place. Listen to this podcast with. Um, just a great community all there around here in the virtual world and would love to be part of that awesome yeah awesome thanks for being on the show so much greg i appreciate your story i appreciate what you're doing for you know the addiction community as well and thanks for letting the the audience know that they can they can follow you and where to find you and is there any way they can do they should they follow you on instagram for the run is there gonna a different link or a different resource they could they could follow on the run for? Yes, yeah, so I am gonna be sharing is you know hopefully like a little daily update from Instagram, nice. and then we do have a film a little film Instagram too. Uh, one in seven film is that handle, um, gotcha. and you can actually I link that in my bio. So you or yeah, so you can find that um, by connecting with me directly, and then um, yeah, we'll have a little film website and stuff too with like live tracking. Uh, one Perfect. in seven film. Yeah. So cool. And your website is really good too, because it has all your references. It has, you know, your photos, your mission, all the businesses. It's your website's really great as well. Hey, thank you. It's my little uh, vanity echo chamber, but I appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh man. Well, it's been so great talking to you, Greg. We really appreciate your time, man. And uh, 100%. Again, just thank you so much. I'm so grateful we got put in touch. This was awesome. And I tip my cap. Y'all are doing incredible work and excited to yeah, support each other into 2021 and beyond. Yes. Yeah, we let's it. do it. Let's do it. Thank you. All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at 
Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.